Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and maybe even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for motherhood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other moms, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wilds. Welcome everyone. My name is Rachel and my training is in um, infant to toddler. So um, birth to three years old. And I am a mother of one expecting a new baby girl in May. Laura. Oh, my turn. Okay. I am Laura. I am trained in lower and upper elementary. So my elementary one and two certification in the Montessori world, which means first grade up through sixth grade. And I actually for years now have worked in a lower elementary classroom, which is first, second, and third grade. So ages six through nine. And Megan. What about your child? Oh yeah. I totally have one of those now. <laughs> that's the part. That's the Mom. new part. Yeah. Um yeah. I have a child. I have one. I have a daughter who is almost two. We all actually had our first child at like pretty much the exact same time. We all worked at the same school. Um, and that is a little bit of the backstory and how we got here to begin with. But we are all coming up on a second birthday next month at the time that this is Yay. currently being recorded. <laughs> the excitement, Megan. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's who I am and where I came from. And Megan, what about you? Um, I'm Megan and I also am in lower elementary. So six to nine years old, um, for second and third grade. But as of right now, I am full time at home with my almost two year old daughter and my nine month old son, just living that stay at home mom life. Oh, that's a good point. So Megan currently is living the stay-at-home mom life, which if you've done that, you know is absolutely no joke. And Rachel and I are still um, actively in our classrooms. So Rachel leads a, a toddler classroom, and I lead a lower elementary classroom at the same school, a school that Megan formerly worked at, which is what brought us all together. Yes. Thank you, friends. Let's start by catching up. What has everybody been up to this week? Laura, if you want to share first. Yeah, I will. I will go first. It's like so all consuming to me right now. And it's so silly. And Rachel, I apologize because you totally already know this story, but Megan, you don't. So let me fill you in. So I hit like another one of those fun parenting milestones. Um, my child who now attends the toddler program at my school, unfortunately is not with Rachel, but another very excellent teacher, um, was walking to PE and 
Uh, Megan, you've seen the little toddler trains go by. They do this by lining them up and they hold these like colorful little beads on this long rope and everybody kind of stays together and moves together. Adorable. It's so cute. And there is always for sure going to be like one to three wipeouts coming up the sidewalk if it's a long trip. And on Wednesday of this past week, it was my child that went down and I got no. my first ever. Yeah, yes. And I got my first ever fair cross incident report right up because no. she like busted her lip and um, just was not a, a super great fall. But the write up literally says like she fell walking to PE on the bead rope. Uh, she scraped her lip cried for like a half a minute and she was good. And I was like, all right, well, great. And I, when I went to pick her up, I see it and I'm like, oof, yeah, you really, that's a fat little lip you got there, but it's all right. You'll, you'll heal. Um, and, um, like three days later we're playing and I flip her upside down and I'm tickling her. So she's laughing like a maniac and I have a really, really good view of the inside of her mouth. And I realize that both of her front teeth are chipped. What? Oh. oh my god! Yeah, she chipped them. She chipped both of them, and they were already coming in, all gapped and crooked, <laughs> and just like already, like, oh gosh, I hope this is not like a projection of the dental bills to come with this child. Um, but you know, they're baby teeth, and they're gonna fall out, and blah blah blah. It's no big deal. But now they're chipped too, and I, mean, I was like, what? A warrior. She fell, chipped both of her teeth, barely and- cried cried for just a few seconds I would be hysterical hysterical this is this is the roller coaster of emotions that I've been on since I discovered this on whatever Friday evening whenever this was um I have been devastated of course I'm like oh my god no they're chipped like yes I know their baby teeth are gonna fall out but we're talking like six seven years from now those suckers (laughs) are gonna fall out all of those school pictures, every family photo shoot. She's got crooked, half missing teeth. Like, dude, killing me, killing me, bro. So there's that. There's that whole emotion. Then there's the guilt that it took me like how many hours to notice that she's missing a portion of her mouth right now. Um, I guess I feel slightly better to know that her own teachers didn't notice this when she fell, which brings me then to the pride in what a little bad egg she is for falling and smashing her face chipping both teeth and crying for like a minute and being like cool I'm good let's go to PE like I'm ready to rumble so I'm proud of her for that um but also I I just feel awful at the same time hockey players aren't supposed to have their teeth like she's just I said that too because she and she loves watching hockey with him. So she was like, hockey, hockey the other day. And I was like, well, you might as well love hockey. You already have no freaking teeth. So that was my, that's my share. And I just, I'm super jazzed about that one. Um, And it's the first of many to come. And I know it's common. Rachel was like, there are like two kids in my room with chipped teeth already. Like, I, I know this is like a toddler thing, but you know, it it does. You don't, you don't want it. You don't want it to be your kid, but she'll be fine I guess it's me it's always me that suffers more it's me um well I had just I can't even remember where my week ended and started because we've had so much going on I drove to Las Vegas um to go to my husband's graduation and then we drove back and then we got the kids all set up and we drove to Disneyland and spent three days at Disneyland, which was 
magical. It was it was so much fun. And then we was just it? we just got back. So yeah, it's it's been a lot. It's been a lot. But oh, it was so much fun. I wasn't really sure how worth it it would be to take them so Because they're so little. Yeah. Yeah. And we also went with my nephew who is 16 months, I think. So we took three under two. Under two. (laughs) Which was brave, a brave choice. And I was like, this is either going to be the best decision I've ever made or the worst decision I've ever made. And it was totally the best. She, obviously my nine month old, didn't really care although he really loved the parades and he actually really did like the um rides that he didn't fall asleep on (laughs) um but she my toddler was in heaven she got to meet all the princesses she got to meet mickey and minnie and her favorite thing of all the churros (laughs) I yes. saw that picture of her with a churro, yes. the length of her body. And I almost messaged you, is that a churro? But yes. I was like, it has to be. It she has to ate be. a churro every day that we were there. <laughs> as, <laughs> as did I. And it was, and she ate the whole thing by herself. And I was so proud. I was so churros, proud. Churros are Mexican, are they not? They are. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, she comes by it honestly. Yeah. It's in her blood. Yeah, it's in no, her blood to enjoy was, that delicious treat. It was fantastic. We had we had a wonderful time. So uh, it was a nice bookend to my husband being gone for the last few months. So we got to enjoy our time as a family and really spend some quality time together. And it was it was wonderful. That is like the ultimate family thing to do to take like a, a slew of kids to Disney. That oh is gosh. like such yeah. a family test. And I'm so glad you loved it because, I mean, you know, we're Disney people. Like, I am very, we are are. hardcore, like, Disney people. And we took um, my little one over the summer to Disney World. And, I mean, he was all in. He won't remember any of it, but we'll remember it. And, like, it's, it's the best. Like, I... I'm already like, I'm ready to go again. Yeah. And see, I'm not, I mean, I I love Disney movies. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a big Disney person. Grew up in California my whole life, have been to Disneyland so many times that I can't even count. And it's just never, I mean, it's fun, but it's not like, oh, I have to go kind of thing. But bringing my children was a totally different experience. And just watching them, she got to see Anna and Elsa and Olaf on the parade float and she was completely in awe like (laughs) star stricken and it was adorable and I was like right there totally worth it every penny right there just for that moment every bag packed every you know hour in the car was all worth it just for that one sparkling look in her you eyes. You guys are making me want to do it. I'm the only one who hasn't done it now. I also, I grew up, I loved Disney movies as a kid, like The Little Mermaid, that I I am Ariel. That is, <laughs> that was my identity for a long, long time. Um, love Disney movies, but 
she has yet to really get it. Like I'll put them on. I even have put on Frozen, right? Everybody's go-to is Frozen and she will watch it for a little while and then kind of go off and do her thing. Toy Story, Rachel, with you and Finley when we yeah. put it on that time. That's Finley's jam. Sucked in, and I realized, okay, Toy Story seems to speak to her a little bit more, which is like totally fine with me. But my whole problem has been like, I know it costs an arm and a leg. And I'm like, I mean, I could fly us all to like Ireland, you know, for that, <laughs> right. for Disney money. And that's hard yep. to like justify in my mind but if you guys are saying that you want to do like a trio trip someday from yes. the Raleigh area to Florida <laughs> I would do it I would do it I, I could my arm could be twisted I'm you just heard it here first folks <laughs> yep. we're doing it <laughs> all right Rachel share something something good or something whatever share something well, my week turned into quarantine. Yippee! No. Oh my god, that's right. Oh my god, I forgot. I keep yeah. forgetting. I get that dreaded email Tuesday night and go into panic mode at like 6.55. And yep, so I ended up in quarantine, which is all good. Um, we survived with some fun Zoom stuff happening. Thankfully, I did teach virtual last year at this time. So I had some stuff nice. pre-created that I was able to just go to and then do some virtual circle stuff with a good amount of my kids showed up. But, um, you know, we were home. So it definitely was not the week I thought we were going to have, which is fine. But I like panicked because nothing was done at school. It's like you have you leave and it's like, oh my gosh, I finished nothing. My fridge is full of snacks. Like, oh, you know, yeah, like, and I had, like I had shut down before winter break. So right. it was a lot. So, um, but we survived. We all tested negative. We're all healthy, all good. So um, we, we finished, it was just not the week I expected, but it was good. Finley loved Circle Time virtually. So that I was, <laughs> he thought it was the coolest thing seeing all these friends faces on zoom and yeah that's so, cute it was Just good. you really little... earned your break <laughs> I feel like it's so hard doing I mean toddler virtual like no not happening that's not at all the Montessori method we all know yeah, just for just for little backstory, Rachel's class had an exposure to a positive COVID case and that meant that everybody just immediately stays home and does not go out again. But Rachel was still responsible for pulling together virtual classes for toddlers. <laughs> so da, da, da. just so you can appreciate how ridiculous this whole time of our lives is. Yeah, that's a rough one, Rachel. That's a rough one. Hey, it's winter break now, so we're all good. Yeah, but... we made it. We did. We made it. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for sharing, friends. We'll be back after this break. Did you know that the human brain has about 100 billion nerve cells present at birth? The network's structure is formed by experiences children have in the first three years of life. Love Every designs their products for learning with a team of experts, academics, researchers, and specialists to make sure they're exactly what your child needs and loves. Their award-winning play products meet your child at each developmental stage. We love that they are thoughtfully crafted with sustainable, organic, and natural materials. We are all fans of their play kits, and all of our babies have loved the play gym. We are excited to offer you free shipping on your next Love Every purchase when you use the link in our show notes or in our Instagram bio at Montessori Moms in the Wild. Happy playing! 
Today we are talking about the preparation of the adult. This is to be done before we bring the Montessori method into our homes. Maria Montessori explained this preparation must be threefold, physical, intellectual, and spiritual. She emphasized that before we attempt to buy those wooden toys we see on Pinterest, before we head to Ikea to buy tiny kitchen objects to replicate the ones we saw on Instagram, we must first look inward and do some deep self-preparation. As educators and now mothers, we are constantly working to dismantle this systematic conditioning that children are to be taught, to be molded by us, and to approach our children with reverence. I'm going to share a quote from Maria Montessori's The Absorbent Mind. The real preparation for education is a study of oneself. A training of the teacher who is to help life is something far more than the learning of ideas. It includes the training of character. It is a preparation of the spirit. Now, this idea can sound a little overwhelming or even a bit out there, but this is important work and the first and arguably most important step as you introduce Montessori into your home. If this idea is not new to you, this conversation can still be for you as we are constantly in the practice of looking inward and rooting out what Maria Montessori called defects or attitudes and habits that we carry with us that impede our ability to fully support our children as they discover the world and who they are. Now, this is a heavy, heavy topic. So let's start why this practice is important and how we can practically implement it into our lives as mothers. Laura, what are your thoughts here? Oh, God, Megan, I have so <laughs> many. I have so many thoughts. I just hope I can make I'm them like come hot out. from all, oh, like, yes. saying all of that. <laughs> it's, it's hot in here? God. This topic is a hot, hot topic. Okay. Yeah. There's just, there's so much to unpack in this one. And um, I just, I wish that it was something that um, everybody before having children like looked into. Cause I think, and by that, I think I mean that there's so many books out there on what to do with slash to your child to like have a good experience, like sleep train this way, feed them this way, do this this way, blah, 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 blah. And what really like kind of stuck out to me in that whole little like intro description that you just said is the importance when you're approaching it from the Montessori way of the spiritual preparation of yourself and how you view your child and looking for the defects, I think you said, in in your own approach and your own mindset and like sort of overcoming the things that I guess if we took it out of a Montessori context, it is sort of like breaking cycles and sort of breaking that thought process of like, well, if it was good enough for me as a kid, or if this is what was done to me as a kid, then it's, that's what I need to do to my kids. And like, just sort of carrying on these things that like are not functional ways to get a person ready for society. And I read one book myself the entire time that I was pregnant, which was called Understanding the Human Being, um, The Importance of the First Three Years of Life by, I'm definitely going to butcher her name, Silvana Quattrochi Montanaro. Definitely Italian. She's an MD. The little blurb on the back says she is a medical doctor specialized in psychiatry. And I'll just go from there. Obviously, her like niche was infant 
development and that first three years of life. And from her book, it really breaks down the science of what's going on in their little brains and how much is going on in their brains and what an incredibly sensitive window this is for all of that. And it talks a lot about how you sort of have to break your own assumptions that because they can't clearly communicate yet, that they don't understand or aren't receiving language, that they're not learning the patterns of communication, that they're not communicating with you already in some way that you're just not trained to look for. Um, The importance of touch and stimulating all of the senses, um, how extremely capable babies up through three years old are, and you know that parents just don't really give them that credit. And then one of the biggest takeaways for me was, I can't find the direct quote, but there's a chunk in there somewhere about how we are not actually responsible for shaping them as humans. They are not our mini-me's. We are not creating the person that they're going to be. Every single child is born its own unique individual, and it's not our job to like figure it out for them or to constantly be expecting them to like do things the way we do things and think about things the way that we think about them. And that's sort of that responsibility to make a good person is all like totally fabricated by us that really our only job is just to like observe them, be there to guide them should they come to you for things, but like stop putting your expectations and your personality on them. And I think that's a thing you hear a lot from parents is like, oh, he's just a mini me or people tell you like, oh, it's that your child is so-and-so junior. And it's like, no, 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 no. I get it. And that's sweet. And that's endearing. And it's really nice to think like, oh, that's so funny how you would be so similar to me when you have half of my genetics in you, of course. But um, respecting that the child is already its own individual And I think that that was something that really struck me because I did like subconsciously feel that responsibility to like make sure from the start that I showed her the right way to do things and just like did everything this certain way. And when I read this book, it was like, stop, like stop thinking that you have any bearing on who this kid is. Like this kid is already going to be the kid that she's meant to be. You have to like trust her and let her develop herself in this process. And I think that was like the biggest sort of liberating factor for me going into parenting. You are saying that it is not our job to unfold their personality. And that's something that is so different about the Montessori method is that that person already exists. Yes. And it is our job to get out of their way, which takes a lot lot of self-awareness and I think that when people, I get asked a lot, you know, how do I implement Montessori into my home? And people are thinking, how do I buy more wooden toys? Or how do I set up my functional kitchen where I can, my kids can wash their own dishes and can hang up their own clothes that they've washed by hand in a bucket. (laughs) But I would say that this is the most important and defining feature of the Montessori method, which is the preparation of us, because none of that is going to be able to happen. None of that unfolding is going to be able to happen if we don't first address our own defects 
as she says, which are more just our shortcomings and our what we have, what happened in our childhood and the way that we view our children now and our triggers and 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 the reasons that we might not be able to show up in, like I said, a reverent way to our children, because we have these things that happen to us that show up later. I just, when we were at Disneyland, I was telling Jacob that I really wanted to buy Billy a princess dress and they're like $90. Like they're not like, yeah. why, you know, <laughs> like she doesn't care. And as we were walking, I like wouldn't let it go. And he was like, Megan, why do you need to buy our not even two-year-old this lavish princess dress? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I, as a child, always wanted one and I never got one. And so it was for me, you know? And so I think that that shows up a lot when we are trying to teach our children is our own experiences kind of blur our ability to truly see them. And maybe what she really wanted wasn't a princess dress. That's what I wanted. And so this whole idea of the preparation of the adult and our spiritual preparation is all about seeing those things. I think it's really, for me, the way I can decipher Maria Montessori's beautiful language and words is changing like my mindset of um, going into parenthood. And I mean, I obviously was drawn to Montessori because I looked into getting my training and then I got my training and now I'm teaching at a Montessori school, but um, I wasn't raised that way at all. Um, I mean, my parents were great. I think I was raised fine, but not raised in that way at all. Um, so I think for me, it was this beautiful picture in my head of learning about the Montessori method and um, observing and watching videos of these children really just doing things themselves and being like, wow, these little toddlers are so capable. So then I was drawn to that and I dived in and got my training and it truly, I think for me, was a mindset shift um, of now. And I think even as a parent, for me, it, I wasn't as worried as like, because, you know, first time parent, there's like all these nerves and worries and, oh my gosh, am I going to do this right? Or this is not the way my mom told me to do it. You know, all the things. Everybody tells you everything when you're a first time mom. Um, so I think for me, I kind of had to step back and be like, this is the way that Garrett and I are choosing to raise Finley. So I have to just dive deep into this in my life and knowing that this is what I want and like not put a shield up, but almost kind of remind yourself, like I'm doing this because I want that. I want that respect for him. As, like today we're in the holiday season. Don't know when you're listening to this, but we had a holiday party with some great aunts and uncles. So like people are like 75, 80. So child rearing was very different for them. Um, so like they don't know Finley, we're still in like pandemic. So he's like two and has almost met nobody. Like he has a bubble. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be very respectful of him in this new environment to me, we were coming in. I could care less if he spoke to anybody, if he batted an eye, if he waved, 
he had his bag of toys I took and we were, you know, I was like, we're just here pretty much just to make an appearance, say hello. And it's so interesting to me to observe and watch like how everybody just wanted to interact with him and like touch him. And many times I had to be like, he's not, he's, he's not ready. He's turning his head. And it kind of frustrated me. Um, And we got in the car and like Garrett and I were like going over how things went and he did warm up and out of his own respect, he was taking people toys and he warmed up after the fact, probably we were there for like three hours. It was like an hour in and he was like, okay, like these people are safe. You know, I could tell he was feeling more comfortable, but it's truly like having this conversation now after my day, it is truly like a a changing of the mindset, I think for me. And I think, I think they would never think that's disrespectful to touch him or tickle him or do something to him, but he is his own self. And even though he's not even two years old yet, he was not, he doesn't want to be touched by a stranger. And he clearly, thankfully used his language. and was like, no. And then I reiterated that. And that was like super powerful to me to see, Hey, (laughs) he actually like, he's doing it. Like he's very capable. And, um, and, and Garrett, too we got in the car to like talk about it and I was frustrated as I said and Garrett was like you know he everybody seemed to be respectful though like it wasn't like somebody was like oh the Rachel like why aren't why are you making him you know it was they kind of respected it too which kind of gives me hope (laughs) in a way to know that um maybe I don't know I don't want to say maybe parenting is changing but the broader aspect of it is like we're focusing our minds on guiding the child to be their own self and he did that today he had the oomph in him to say no and everybody respected my philosophy kind of on that and it just was happy to see I think Rachel a big part of the experience for you though that really you deserve a little pat on your own back is the fact that you stood in that confidently and like consistently yes, that's exactly what because I, was say. I myself have already been in a situation where I struggled a little a little bit on holding those boundaries for her because she is still so little like people don't yeah. understand that a baby human being is a human freaking being and it has its own preferences and it has its way of communicating right off the bat. And many of them do not want to be manhandled by great uncle so-and-so they've never met before. And you're telling me, give him a kiss. Like, no, thank you. No fiber of my being wants to do that. And that sort of the boundaries and just like all of that is a whole, is a very foreign concept to honestly still a lot of like parents our age that I know. I think that's the part of the, you know, where she says that it's threefold is that intellectual part is to learn what's going on developmentally so that there's just a little bit more empathy that in itself, we aren't really taught to do. You get pregnant and the doctor doesn't hand you a book of the next six years developmentally, what's going to happen to your child so that you understand. I know so many women that I, and fathers who I'm friends with who haven't done any, any research, any learning about what's going on with their child. And that in itself is, I think, 
part of the preparation is to, like you said, really learn about why, what's going on in that little, in that little brain. And that's part of it. Actually, just to throw out another, like in case you're not big into reading textbooks, um, another thing I did was I watched, there's a like documentary series on Netflix called Babies, mm, yeah. right? Is it Babies? Yeah. Um, not to be confused, there was a movie that came out called Babies like years ago where they followed like four different babies from birth up through, I don't know what age, from all around the world. This other series on Netflix, Babies, was is all about, again, the science behind it and like how their brains are working through patterns right now and like what foundations are being laid so that they can eventually communicate a full sentence to you. And um, there's just so, so much going on the mirroring of like, they're watching you all the time. Like go, go interact with your baby, make faces, talk to them, make silly expressions. Like they're, they're absorbing everything like literally like oh this is how you be a human being they're watching how you treat other people in the room they're watching how they're listening to how you speak to to them versus the dog versus your partner you know like every everything is just being soaked up by that little sponge and it is a shame to think that there's nothing going on there and that it's just a little blob of skin which is like still kind of a common misconception i think about infants well I remember in training um one day we had a day just on infants and communication and the simple thing of changing a diaper which we all have done one million times um every parent has done one million times but in the moment in in an infant monastery classroom or in the teachings of infant um through the lens of a Montessorian it's really this precious time and it, 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 it's like a diaper change. And I'm sure some of you listening may, may be like, it's a precious time. They have poop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Could but, not think of a less precious experience than being elbow deep in a blowout. <laughs> it's this time where you have this connection where you're so close to their face and their body and you look at them in their eye and you tell them what you're doing to their body. This wipe is going to be cold and let them feel the wipe on their hand before you even start wiping them. I know as a parent, many times I have not done this. I've been like, oh my gosh, there's poop, there's a blowout. And you hurry, hurry, hurry. And you don't at all say what you're doing to my child. And then I go back and I thought, oh my gosh, would I want that done to me? Like, I don't want somebody pulling on my leg and doing, you know. Your child, not only physically, but in all, I think in all aspects of our Montessori journey, we always fall back to respect. And that is part of why we do everything, why we verbalize these things to them, why we slow down our movements, why we observe them first. It's because we respect them as humans. And like you said, you wouldn't want someone grabbing at your leg. If we went to the doctor and someone just started doing stuff to us, we, we want it to be explained to us. We want our body to be respected. And I do think it's so amazing how she laid this out because I feel like so many types of education, it just kind of hits on one or a couple of these things or none at all. Um, but I think the coolest part is talking about how to prepare ourselves. But the biggest one is 
to prepare spiritually, which like Rachel, when you're talking about slowing down, when we change a diaper, if you're not in a good place, which I know we've all been and many parents listening, you might not be in a great place right now. And really slowing down and seeing your child is nearly impossible when you're not okay. And I love that there's such an emphasis on this spiritual preparation, which I feel like something similar, if you're not versed in this world, might be self-care. And like to really, really care for yourself. Even Maria Montessori even believed in your person, like your appearance, your, your personal appearance of taking care of yourself, taking a shower, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, putting clean clothes on. And this act of caring for yourself is going to carry over to how your children view themselves. Um, and so I think that something that we need to emphasize first, as she did, is if you're feeling like, I can't, I really can't sit down and slow down with my child. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed out. It's because the first and most important part is this spiritual preparation. Something that we, all three of us, had have had the privilege of doing is learning so much about childhood, about, you know, in a in an academic sense, but also taking these, reading these books and, and our training and our jobs. But a lot of people don't have that same background or the privilege of doing it. It's expensive. It's time consuming. And I do wonder if, if we didn't have that same situation, how, how might you learn about this method? How might you bring this practice into your life when you're in the thick of just chaos? I think it goes back to preparation just of a parent in general, like we started with, because when you're in the thick of it and chaos, you're not going to be able to step back and read a book. I mean, let's all be honest here. That's not something I want to do when you're in the newborn stage and you've hardly slept and you know you need to, but I'm not going to pick up that book. I'm going to lay down and take a nap when my infant naps. So I think it like rewinds back to the parent preparation and deciding like as a couple or just as yourself, if you're a single parent or whatever um, track you're taking in life, um, setting forth on that journey the nine months before that happens. What should we advise them to do if they're already in the thick of it? Yeah, for me, for me, I feel like the biggest, biggest thing is self-awareness because we don't always think about why we behave the way that we do. Um, I read, and you don't have to read a book if you're too tired to read a book. I read it. I will tell you about it. Um, It's called Parenting from the Inside Out by, I'll have to look again and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but I think it's by Daniel Siegel, um, which funny story, I found out that he is the mentor academically for Dina from Big Little Feelings. Oh, yeah. really? 
like was her professor or something like that. I'll need to go back and look. But um, the book basically, I had to read it during my Montessori training. And it's basically about how you parent from the inside and the things that happen to you in your life and the way that you view the world eventually come out to your children. And before you fix any of those things, you don't even need to fix them. Like, you know, we don't need to go, if you can't do therapy, if you can't read these books, the biggest thing is just being aware of them. And I remember there was a story in the book and it was about this mother who took her kids to go shoe shopping and she was dreading it because she was always super stressed out every time she would take her kids to go shoe shopping and she'd always end up yelling at them. And it always turned into a really stressful and not fun outing, but they got, they had to get the shoes. So they had to do it. And she did some self-reflecting and she realized that when she was a child, they didn't have a lot of money and they weren't able to afford shoes. So they always had to get kind of the cheapest shoes. So when they would go in and she would pick out the shoes she wanted, her mom would get really stressed out because she didn't want to tell her no because there was some money and financial problems. And it was always this source of stress. And she realized that she was bringing that to her kids. And that it had nothing to do with them. It had nothing to do with the what they were actually doing. And it had everything to do with her own experience. And so I feel like sometimes the best thing to do when you react is to just take a step back and think, why, why am I reacting this way? Why am I rushing in this way? Why did I respond in this way? And I think you might be surprised at what comes up, especially during when you're raising children, I feel like a lot comes up by watching them grow up. It's like reliving your childhood in a way. And I think that you can find that your shortcomings and these defects that we're talking about show up when we're not fully aware of what, what our triggers are. And the reason that we learned about it was so that when you go into your classroom, when we're teaching, we realize that the experiences that we had in our classrooms and with our teachers shape the way that we then teach mm. our students. That's an excellent, excellent point. This whole time I've been like, keep hitting that over and over again, that the more that I understood about why she acts a certain way or reacts a certain way was helpful to me. But your point is even better that sometimes you just need to stop and ask yourself, why are you reacting mm -hmm. the way that you are reacting? Why is this a hot button for you? Why is that tantrum that they're throwing putting you in this space mentally and emotionally? Why are you the way that you are. That is yes, huge. And that's huge. the whole thing that we're talking about when we're talking about the preparation of the adult. We're not talking about kids like at all. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. How do we show up for our kids and how do we prepare ourselves to show up for our kids by making sure that we don't bring our shit into their life, <laughs> you know? And I think that that self-awareness also brings this humility that is so important in 
our journey as Montessorians is to be deeply, deeply full of humility as we approach our children and our students of respecting that we are not superior to them and their journey. We don't know more. We don't, you know, we might know more when it comes to safety and things like that, but we are here to let them become who they're going to be. And I think that that's a big, a big difference in a lot of Montessori households is that as Montessori mothers that we respect our children's journeys and who they're becoming instead of believing that we know best. I don't, I don't know best. I'm a broken person. You're talking about your life. We're all imperfect and it's not our job to fix ourselves by trying to fix our kids if that makes sense. Yeah, because we're not going to be able to fix them because they're their own self. They're, they're they're not us. They haven't no, they haven't walked the life that we have already walked. They're starting fresh and new and they're they're, they're their own selves. So I think I I thank you too Megan for sharing that because I'm thinking of like the things now I'm thinking about like my day or my week and the things that like have absolutely triggered me and thinking back to my childhood it's like I now I'm like digging deep into my thoughts right now and um it's totally true it is all about the self awareness of like you said like the shoe the shoe shopping thing I mean it's it's so interesting to me that all the connections that I'm making in my brain now, you know what I mean? That um, are and have affected my parenthood, you know, my parenting for a year and however many, almost two years. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's this, um, I know for me, this big emphasis on respecting adults and not questioning and following the rules. I'm such a rule follower. Oh, 120%. Are we all the firstborn children too in our families? Yeah. So we're that much more inclined to like people please and like keep status quo, you know, like, yeah. And so for me, it's, it can be really difficult when, um, mostly my students, because as a, for my toddler, it doesn't seem to be quite as triggering for me, but when my students would just blatantly disobey and like, and not follow the rules, that was really hard for me because I firmly was raised to believe that you follow the rules, you respect the rules and you respect the people who are in charge, no matter what, they can be completely wrong and you do you what just they say. blindly follow and respect any adult, follow. any adult. Yeah. And so the, this whole um, respecting of children, because it, it was kind of always that you, you're the child, I'm the adult, and yeah, you listen to me. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, because something I do love about Montessori is saying that you respect everyone. Um and that includes children. And so I guess for me, it was always a little bit difficult when a student might not be following the rules. And 
as we kind of touched on earlier, when we're talking about learning about development and things like that, we, we learned that these pushing of boundaries are normal. And then that coupled with me learning about myself, that this might be something that I respond to in a negative way because of my own preconceived ideas about how the world works based on my own experiences can help us to react differently and to behave differently with our students and with our children. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to bring into this conversation is that before we do anything else, we have to address why we're doing this and what we're trying to accomplish here before we set up the shelf and then it gets destroyed and then we're triggered and then we're yelling and then (laughs) we're crying (laughs) because we didn't succeed. And I think that's what happens a lot is parents say they're going to attempt to do this. They try it doesn't work. It triggers something inside of them. They don't react the way that they want to. The child then doesn't react the way that they want to. And they give it all up and throw it away. And are like, this Montessori stuff is for the birds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> for those hippie people that yes. want. Um, I remember when I wanted to get my Montessori training, my mom said, isn't that that school that where kids can just do whatever they want? Yeah. I'm actually really glad that you just said that. Uh-huh. So, so many people have no idea. I have so many people like that's you're, you're going to a monastery. Are you becoming a monk? Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The point is I want to just circle back to what you just said, because just in case you are not like a super Montessori background kind of person, I think that what you just said about like, well, you have to respect like when my kids in my classroom weren't doing what I wanted them to do. And like the idea of respecting them as much as you expect them to respect you. I think that a lot of people immediately are like, um, that sounds messed up. Like, it sounds like you're going to walk into a group of kids, you know, throwing scissors and be like, oh, that's what you wanted to do. Okay. I respect that. That's totally fine. Cool, 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 cool. I respect you. Peace and love. No, absolutely not. Maria Montessori herself, actually one of my favorite stories, my former co-teacher told me that she trained under um, some famous AMI trainer who trained under Maria herself, right? So she was like, knew the actual Maria Montessori and was sitting in like a classroom management type session basically with Maria. And Maria had just finished talking about um, all of, you know, similar to what you're talking about, respecting them and just like sort of approaching classroom management from a different point of view of like seeing them as human beings and they're having needs and this is maybe how they're trying to convey what their need is and maybe it's not you know the most socially acceptable way or the best way yet but it's your job then to like break that down and guide them and one of the people was like well you know Mrs. Montessori what do you do if they're what would you do if your students are like standing on the tables and she was like I would say get off of the table. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, she would. Like, have you ever seen a picture of Maria Montessori? Like she does not look like she was just like, yeah, you would no. not mess with that lady because respecting someone doesn't mean giving them free reign to be a complete psychopath, like jerk bringer of chaos and destruction. Respecting someone means that you say like, hey, get off of the table. I see 
that you have a lot of energy right now and you're not sure what to do with it. Here are some choices on how to expel that energy safely, but you may not do something that is going to endanger your body or your classroom or your classmates. Like there is still absolutely a firm boundary that is held in place. And she's not going to come over and be like, you are a miscreant and you're going to detention and you should be punished for three months and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, she's not going to handle it that way, which is what made her so revolutionary that she used the word respect when it came to children. But it does not mean that it is just free reign to be a jerk. No. And and I think that you hit it on the head when you were saying boundaries. It's boundaries for the adults. We respect the the rules set forth and also we respect as you were saying Rachel with your child's body and their boundaries it goes both ways and it's this mutual learning that happens um that she in respect of the environment I mean that that's mm-hmm. huge I mean standing yeah, on talk a about table, that <laughs> like I mean respect of of the environment that the child is in that we are in every day we we want to take care of where we are. We, even though our house is not always clean, like it's not super filthy. Like I'm not just living in mud. I am. So, I'm living in mud. So it, it, <laughs> you're not, you're not living in mud. We're surviving. <laughs> I just come to the call just like dripping <laughs> in mud and leaves. Hey guys, how was your weekend? Oh my God. I must be tired because that just like got me right in the tickle. So like my my tickle spot. <laughs> I just like imagining people living <laughs> covered in mud, just cooking oh, dinner, just mud all about you. Um, so it's not only respect of bodies all the things we've said it's also respected the environment so that's a huge boundary that um we all should also set as parents so like if you have a thing for cleaning up like if you want the playroom tidy then that's a boundary for you and that's a boundary for your child and you set them up for success through that you you do it with them in the beginning you help guide them you help show them and then later, they will eventually end up independently doing it themselves. But that's also you as an individual showing them that you respect the environment when you clean up, when you pick up a piece of trash and throw it in, in the trash instead of leaving it on the floor. They're observing you. They're watching you. And that's also showing that you're respectful in that way of the environment. And I mean, you can... We're, we probably will do a whole podcast on the environment too. Yes, so I just, will. I want to touch, I want to touch a little bit, but I keep, I kept thinking in my mind, like we're talking about respect of individuals and respect of, but respect of the environment is also a huge one throughout the philosophy because of we're interacting with the environment as the children are interacting with the environment. So it's like forthcoming. It's, it's surrounding. You can't, we can't live without the environment so it it also intertwines within respect of our individuals themselves in respect yes. of our and children if you're if you're not uh, accustomed to listening to all of the Montessori jargon the environment that Rachel is talking about isn't necessarily 
talking about the earth in general, you know, like recycling and composting and all that fun stuff, which your child's playroom, (laughs) which it can be. It's just the place that we are existing in at any moment of time. So it can be the classroom. It can be their room. It could be your house. Um, And I think so, Rachel, that was a really good point. And now I'm thinking of the parts when we're talking about the three folds, we're now talking about the physical that she talked mm-hmm. about. And that meant caring for the materials. So their toys, their books, their room, their classroom, their their clothes, all of those things. We're taking care of them. And we're also practicing it physically within our own bodies. Uh, Maria Montessori talked about slowing down our movements, being very graceful with the way that we move. And it's hard. I can admit that I have struggled with this of late. I was actually thinking about it recently because my daughter has been throwing things. Um, and this just kind of all, this all goes together. So <laughs> stay with me here. Um, is that, so she's been throwing things and the first thing I wanted to do was think, why is she doing this? <laughs> what can I do to stop her from doing this? And instead I kind of, again, was thinking about myself and I realized that I had been really rushed in my movements and I have been really kind of chaotic. And I was thinking about, I was reading to her before bed and she's in the pack and play right now because we're visiting my family. And when I was done with the book, I tossed it out of the, out of the pack and play Mm. and onto the floor. And immediately when I did that, I was like, Oh crap. It's it's me. (laughs) And of course, even if I was absolutely perfect all the time, she would still throw things because she's almost two and that's what they do. But when we're talking about this preparation of, of ourselves, I think I realize that I am. We're attributing to it. Laying the ground. Yeah. And I'm laying the groundwork for the way that she sees the world. And I was actually reading this thing that was really interesting. And it was saying that I think it's called myelin. We'll, we'll go back to that if that's not right, but it's, um, like a, it's like the fatty sheath that goes, that coats, that covers the, your yes. neurons. Yes. Yeah. And that as for children, they're immature in their nervous system and that our movements need to be slower for them to be able to follow what we're doing. So when I am reading to her, what I need to do is read to her, close the book, get out of the pack and play, put it back on the shelf gently where it belongs. And she will then learn to do that. And I, I really do. I know some people are probably rolling their eyes that this, you know, if you have kids that you cleaning up in a certain way is going to change anything, you're probably thinking, yeah, right. That's ridiculous. I have children and they're monsters, but I charge you to just maybe think about the way that you're moving and the way that you're handling the materials in your own house and maybe start there. I recently was putting away 
those little pegs from the love every box uh, for that yeah. posting work. Yep. Yeah. And um, I was putting them away and I was putting them away instead of just grabbing them all and dumping them in the basket and putting it back on the shelf. I put them away individually with just two fingers um, while my child watched. And she, she sat there completely still watched me pick up. There's probably like, I don't know. There's a lot of them. 15 of them. Like there's yeah. a lot. Every single one put them away and put it back on the shelf. And I noticed a few days later when it was time to put that work away, she picked up every single one individually, put it back in the basket and put it on the shelf. And that doesn't happen all the time, but I feel like it kind of hits every point of saying you, you think about how you are showing up to the environment. I was being chaotic. My child was being chaotic. I, I switched that. We're caring for our environment. This all kind of goes together in, I guess, one picture, one example of why this is important. I think it keeps going back to you. Like it keeps going it's back to my us. Fault. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps going back to us as individuals, as me as a person, Megan as a person, Laura as a person each and every listener as a person, like you're, you, you are your own person and you've walked a journey and lived life a certain way. And now you're a parent. And of course that that's going to flow into your children because you're their parent. Genetically you are intertwined or if you're not genetically intertwined, they're living with you in your household with your child rearing it's, it's all like connected, but I think we're all saying and figuring out and hearing each other's thoughts of you got to do you and then kind of the rest will come maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when you're living in this state of, for me lately has been survival and I've, I've described it as being very primal. I'm not reading books on methodology. I'm not sitting and meditating at the end of the day. I am waking and feeding and surviving. And I feel like part of that inability to go deeper has been my kind of neglecting of myself and how I do fit into this picture and it, whether or not I buy all the right toys or I say all the right things to my kid or my environment is set up perfectly and dusted and everything is developmentally appropriate for my child. If I'm not prioritizing my own spiritual preparation and care for myself, then none of this, that everything doesn't fit together without that part. If that makes sense. I just made a connection. I remember this week and I don't remember what blogger on Instagram, a Montessori mom that I follow on Instagram. Um, she, I think has a pretty new baby and has a toddler. And I remember her posting something about like just a chaotic day and she was going through bedtime with her um older child or her toddler and just like broke down 
And I think the, she was saying, the mom was sharing in her head, like, I knew my infant was screaming. I needed to go feed him, but I knew I needed to be present in this, in, you know, bedtime with my toddler and all the things, all the things we, you might go through as a mom or just you're at your breaking point at bedtime. And she said she just started crying and her little girl looked up at her and was like, mommy, I see you're feeling sad. It's okay to feel sad. And we had a hard, you had a hard day or something in the terms of that. And it clicked to me as I've had a rough go these past (laughs) 17 weeks. (laughs) This pregnancy has not been easy per se at all. And my husband works a lot. So I think it clicked with me as to say, Hey, it's okay for me also in this conversation to, to cry in front of Finley or to say, mommy needs a moment. Mommy's feeling sad. You know, it, I I think I don't do that enough. I do that in the classroom all the time. I think as a teacher, I'm really good at calling out, like I'm feeling frustrated. I'm going to walk away. I need a moment, you know, but I don't think I'm doing good at that as a mom myself in my household. And uh, I read that this week and I was like, oh, and I think it just, I recollected it now um, talking about, you know, our spirituality and guiding ourselves and preparing our minds, but also knowing that it's okay to have these maybe chaotic, sad, mad moments, but allowing our child to know that's okay also, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah, I think what both of you guys are talking about is um, all related to what we were saying earlier about children being like absolute little sponges. You are your child's main source of entertainment. You are their main source of everything. You are their whole entire world. So if Billy, if your child is watching you throw a book out of the packet play because you're tired, or your son is watching you furiously get through the bedtime and bath time routine because you are tired and you are sad and you are sick and you are frustrated and you are done. They are absorbing all of that. And when you can slow down and sort of put the language behind it, like Rachel's talking about of like, mommy is upset. Mommy's sad. It's okay for mommy to be sad. Mommy still loves you. You are still safe, but mommy sad helps him the next time that he's starting to feel that way and behave that way to realize like, oh, this is what this thing is and it's okay. Yes. Yes. So do we want to move into our um, confessions? Yeah. I say say it's high time we wrapped up the main topic here (laughs) and moved on to some confessions so I think it is time that we lighten things up a bit and finish out our show with a little segment called confessions from the wild Mm. oh that's my elephant sound oh my goodness I did not I did not know that that was happening I love it if you could bring a different wild animal sound every time oh I got you. I actually have found that I know a lot fewer animal sounds than I thought I did. You know, like when you do the sounds when for your kids when you're like reading and you're like, what sound does? What does an ostrich even does do? Make? What does a fox say? What does a panda do? Yeah, actually, that's a great point. I love though how that yeah. sentence started with like, I really felt like you're about to confidently announce that you can do like every animal. You're like, oh, I got you. I realized that I know way less animal sounds than I thought. Um, I will, I will, I will look them up on YouTube and I will, I will come back prepared. Okay. 
for today. Return week. next week for the ostrich. <laughs> yes, please. I'm dying to know what an ostrich does. I also wish that I could be a fly on the wall watching you watch ostrich videos for the course of this week. Yeah, exactly. All right, Megan, go. What's your what's your confession? Okay, so my confession of just nice and embarrassing things that happened to me this week. So I mentioned that I went to Las Vegas for a work thing for my husband and it was formal. So I had to wear this long gown that I was not excited about wearing and high heels that I was not excited about wearing and wearing makeup, which I was also not excited about wearing. Anyway, I was really excited to go. (laughs) as you can tell um but it was just like in this ballroom it was very stuffy it was not my idea of a good time but I was there for my husband very proud of him very excited that we're putting an end to this chapter of his training and that we're done with this but we were there for a really long time I'm all dressed up actually I'm even going to go back further. This is more embarrassing than I thought it was going to be. So I get out of the car at the Bally's Casino in Las Vegas. In my gown, I've got the fake lashes. Like, I am I am here. You're a smoke show. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I saw the pictures. I saw the pictures. Fire. So I get out of Fire. the car, and I feel a drop on top of my head. And it is a bird just shit right on my head. Oh, Megan. I I hadn't even walked five feet from the car. And it was as Jacob stopped and he was looking at me and he was like, you look beautiful tonight. Bam. Right on my head. This is so so on point for you, though, Megan. This is so on brand for Megan. It really is. This is 100% a thing that would happen to you immediately. So that wasn't even the embarrassing thing that I was <laughs> so we go in and we're like everyone's getting drinks and stuff. It's taking forever and I am weaning my son from breastfeeding right now for reasons I won't go into. Um but I my milk came in as we as the thing was starting. And so everyone's <laughs> standing there listening to this little presentation and he's like going to graduate and I was like I have to go. Cause I don't want to have like those big milk circles on my gown. So I run yes. down the hall. I don't have my pump cause we're on the 26th floor. I left it in the car where I got pooped on <laughs> and I go into the bathroom and I'm like, what am I, what am I going to do? Like it's coming in. So I pull the top of my dress down. It's around my waist. I tie I had sleeves. So I like tie it around my waist so that it doesn't fall onto the ground. And I'm like, what? what do I do? So I just like squeeze and like milk myself into the toilet, (laughs) into the toilet of the bathroom stall. Oh, Megan. And like, you know, there are like cracks and stuff. Like people are walking by. It's a busy casino and I'm just like. You're (laughs) just standing (laughs) with your back to the door. So, and there's like liquid hitting the water. So I'm sure people were like, you know, it's like shooting. It'd been a, it had been a while. So it was like shooting out and I was trying not to get it on my dress. So like my butt's at like it, (laughs) it was a show. (laughs) That's the fly of the wall that you wanted to be on. Actually, probably not. It wasn't a pretty sight. So yeah, Um, milk and bird poop. 
is my confession. That's smart. That's honestly probably smarter than I I would have like panicked and like wadded up a piece of like paper towel and just made like little little pads. Yeah. Over myself. Yeah, but then that, eventually those would have leaked and I would have just had yes, these lumpy yes. wet spots from the so you honestly <laughs> I mean, handled as that you're way better. It, I feel a little silly that I didn't do that. No, I think that probably would have been a better I don't know. Idea. I don't know. No, I I think eventually you probably would have exploded out of paper yeah. towels. So you yeah. probably made the right yeah, choice. You probably okay. had to do some expressing well, there. Thanks. I guys. also had a very um embarrassing moment in front of my toddler thankfully it was only in front of my toddler but um and I have already shared this with you friends too but I had the stomach virus Mm. um for about 48 hours on top of being pregnant um and it was hell my it was it was probably the sickest I think I've ever been in my life I could not even keep ice chips down so I literally every two hours you like run to the bathroom, run to the bathroom. Well, I'm also like pregnant. So my bladder, I've already had one child. My bladder is not at all like it used to be. <laughs> so I'm like running to the bathroom as I know I'm about to puke with my poor toddler in the bed with me. And I'm, he's like, mommy, mommy, and I'm running, running, and I am just <laughs> peeing and vomiting all over my bathroom floor. I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing. Just, and then I'm just, like, laying in it, like, okay, this is what Mommy's my life is going Mommy's okay. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes we pee ourselves. It's oh a good lesson. <laughs> It happens. At least it was on tile floor. Yeah, good point. Oh good point. I, Rachel, mine is. That's, I'm sorry, I laughed at that. That was really. You funny. have to. Though. It was. It was at worth a point, laugh. Yeah. At this point, you I have laughed. To. You had yeah. to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. at your pain. <laughs> um, mine is. I'm right, right there with you, Rachel. You guys also technically, I think, already heard this story. Another mom achievement unlocked for me came from the same f- stomach bug, which was straight. From the bowels of hell and into oh. my own personal bowels. And I was so, so sick every two hours, literally every two hours like clockwork. And so it occurred to me when we made a pediatrician appointment for the child to be seen, even though she was like totally fine. And also, even though I'm pretty sure I got the bug from her, she got it like a fraction of as badly as we had it. So the day that we were like in the prime of it, just really, really sick. Um, she was home with me, of course, couldn't have, couldn't send her to school. So, um, took her to the doctor and realized as we were pulling up to our curbside appointment that we were coming up really close to the two hour mark. And it had been every two hours. So even though in in that moment I was okay, I was like in another 15 to 20 minutes, I am not going to be okay. I bet you. And, um, 20 minutes go by. She's still like in my lap in the front seat of the car as the doctor's poking her and prodding her and deciding, honestly, she is fine. And I'm sitting there like, Oh boy, here we go. And finally, Mm -hmm. like the just exact right time. He's like, okay, you guys are good. If you want to go home, like just got the clean bill of health from me. I don't think we need to do a COVID swab. She doesn't have any symptoms, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hey, 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 wanting to wrap it up <laughs> as quickly as possible because I I know she's fine. It's me. I'm sick. So um, Chris gets her, takes her from me and starts to put her into her car seat. Um, 
I am also in the backseat because I had been sitting back there and had her in my lap. So she would actually participate in this appointment and blah, 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 blah. And she is just screaming bloody murder, does not want to go back in the car seat, is all pissed off about what just happened, doesn't want to be strapped in again, the whole nine yards screaming, screaming, screaming. There have never been so many people at this curbside appointment before. There's a car in front of us, (laughs) there's three cars behind us, there's like four nurses walking around in like hazmat suits and two doctors, just the way things work right now with this pandemic. And all of the doors of our car open, all doors, all windows, and um, the two hour mark has passed. So my body now is like, (laughs) we're done. On here and Chris had very intelligently thrown a handful of plastic like shopping bags from like Harris Teeter, <laughs> the local grocery store, in the back seat with me. And as she's screaming with every door open in the car, I am just, just, bleh, right, just bleh, right into the right into the the plastic bag. Um, hopefully not super audible. I luckily am not like a scream vomiter. You guys all. Are familiar with those? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Hopefully I was not super loud because again, there were at least a dozen people walking around me. What was Chris doing while you were throwing up in the grocery bag? struggling to get her into the car seat and close all the doors as quickly as possible. Actually, 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 he was doing that until he realized that I was vomiting into a grocery bag, at which point he stopped to just watch me. And I was like, wrap it up, trying to give him the signal. Like get, get her in the, in the car. car, close all the doors. You know the mom thing where like you are so mad, you clench your teeth and you don't bother to separate yes. your jaws yes. to tell them something. Um, I just wanted it. I just wanted to go away from everybody as quickly as possible. So that happened, and then instead of getting out with my baggie because we were still technically parked and being like, "Hey, do you all have a garbage?" I just tied it up <laughs> tightly and tucked it in the car seat like back I mean, in front they had of me hazmat suits they were and totally ready to take your they were ready <laughs> i was not i was not ready to hand a bag of my vomit to another adult that day so instead i i tucked it into the seat in front of me and watched it slosh around all the way home so that was my definite highlight of uh of the last I love weeks. how all of our confessions have to do with several bodily fluids. <laughs> Uncontrollable <laughs> like body functions. 10 years old. <laughs> we really had some confessions. Yeah, this week. we really did. If we you didn't really know did. that parenting is glamorous before this episode, you do now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, stay wild. Bye. Boom.